Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. How you doing, Nathan? I'm doing good. So is how are you? All right. All right. out there this morning. Yeah, I started to go out and walk and I came back in. I, said, I did the same thing. It was so cold. This one. That wind. Oh, yeah. 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 We'll get it in the afternoon, maybe. Yeah. That's, that's my plan. Where do you go? Do you go down to the river, one of those trails? I'm right on the river, yeah. The trail is just at the end of our complex here. So yeah. it's nice. That's a wonderful resource. That's where I go to. Uh, I, it's all kinds of accesses, but <clears throat> I go down to the South Fork here, and it crosses over, mm -hmm. goes over to Benbrook. I used to ride the trail with Bill, God, for probably two years in a row. It's all we did every single day and drove, you know, hundreds of miles and rode in some of the rallies and stuff like that but um, mostly it was when we lived closer in yeah we're building and three years later we had a house fire we had to move out for two years so each time we'd live on the trail and it was great so i love living on the trail again i do too uh it's you go all the way downtown and, and mm -hmm. i know yeah you can go have breakfast downtown it's great do you ride a bike or just walk I used to I, I used to run a, a lot then, uh, oh, wow. okay. but uh, now I just walk. So I did mountain biking out to Taos until I, I threw me and it dislocated my shoulder, and I gave that up for. Oh my uh, gosh! But, but I love it. Yeah. Shoulder recover. 
Yeah, yeah, it just it was a weird deal. It just, but, uh, you know, they got that place over there uh, close to Brian Irving that's for breakfast, too. That uh, What's that called, that restaurant that's right on the trail? You can, you can uh, walk right in from the river. Uh, oh, are you talking about the Press Cafe? Yeah, no. yeah, Press Cafe, yeah. 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 I like that. That's a good place. Yeah, I like that. Good too. food. Yeah. And that yeah. other one uh, that they have uh, a Pacific table, you know, over on university. You know, I can't recall if I've been, is that like, do you order and sit down or do you sit down and they take your order? You sit down and take the order. It's in okay. the back of that university. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've been in there yet. That's really good. Liso Salmon is just great. Okay, good to know. I've, I've never known. I needed a recommendation. What's well, the same people who have Press Cafe? The same guy. Oh, okay. they got to have good food. Yeah. Okay. Good Good to know. Thanks. Good morning, yeah. Benjamin. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Morning, morning. Hi. We missed you Sunday, Jack. Yeah. Been having to work last couple of Sundays. What about <laughs> Sunday? Did you miss last Sunday too, Jack? Just like me? Last Sunday? Last Sunday. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Our local meeting. Oh, Tuesday, I was thinking. Never mind. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was like, I didn't know you were Sunday. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I really miss you guys. I tell you what, last week it seemed like a month. Can you come on Sunday, Jack? This coming Sunday? Yeah, do you have to work? Uh, this coming Sunday. Yes, I can make it. How about that? There's going, There's going to be food. Everybody bring a snack or something. Oh, is that this Sunday? Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. I did not see any email on it. Did Elizabeth not? No email. Yeah, she didn't send an email. <clears throat> yeah, it's a good idea. She should have. She normally oh. does. Okay. <laughs> There's always I'm probably food, right? Y'all told me. Because <laughs> I would have brought myself and my cup of coffee. <laughs> That's all you have to do anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah, there'll be more than enough. Oh, good. About Wednesday, you gonna come to? You gonna make it tomorrow night, Jack? Uh, I have to look. That's a possibility. All right. <laughs> possibility. <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a busy day tomorrow, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I know Santa Claus is busy this time of year. That's he, he just got to do it. I went to a scare. I thought I'd I thought I'd got pickpocketed up there at Home Depot. Oh. And uh and I had uh, I'd forgotten that I'd actually I was gonna stop and get a cup of coffee. And so I took my billfold out of my pocket and put it on my console and uh and I didn't put it back in my pocket before I went in. And so when I went in and I was gonna get a little snack and and I couldn't find my wallet and I thought somebody pickpocketed me. <laughs> Oh, what panic that is. I called up and canceled my card. And, oh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So I had to wait till yesterday to get my get a, another card and, and uh, get all reestablished again. But that was kind of fun. You got that to you fast, right? Huh? You got that to you fast, the card. Well, what it is is they gave me a temporary. Okay. Yeah. And that's good because I really like to change my debit card up once a year uh, I like to change it because uh, I like to get a new number and everything so that you know all these yahoos out there trying to get into accounts and everything 
if I've got it out there somewhere, then it's no good anymore. <laughs> so that's, that's how I keep away from these scammers. Good morning, Lydia. Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. I'm still waiting on my book, you know. That CMC group, they're real slow. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had it all prepped and then apparently because we, we had to we end up with a shortage on our inventory that we didn't know we were gonna have. Um and so it was supposed to get here and then I left, but I, I literally had it done up to like the mailing label was on the envelopes. And um it came in Thursday, but then I guess Reverend Tony was busy and so and had to leave the office, so he didn't come until Friday. So am I still 900th on the list? No. <laughs> should be in the mail. You should have gotten an email. Okay. You an email? You should have gotten an email, I think, on Tuesday that had your tracking info. Really? Yeah. On Tuesday, like today? Is that what we're talking? No, it was on Tuesday, like last week before I went on vacation. Well, that's that's been a month ago for me. Let me see if I can find it. Big week from hell, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. Oh, I'm just glad to see all your smiling faces. <laughs> Sound like you need a vacation, Jack. Yeah, I do have it scheduled for the last week of this month, believe it or not. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> I had to have some time off. Or I was going to lose my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I just resent you the tracking info, Jack. What's that? I just resent you the tracking info. Oh, okay. So it'll be there today. Yeah, I had an interesting week. Um, I mean, it was good. I went and saw my parents, which was really, really fun. Um, Curie was with me. Yay. We went to the Siegfried and Roy Secret Gardens, which is the, uh, the tigers and the lions and all. Bears. No bears, tigers and lions. <laughs> um, broke up the trio. <laughs> yeah. um, it was that moment of like a little scared, but for I knew that the fences were secure. <laughs> but no, and I mean, everybody knew I had Curie going in, like all the staff knew I had a service dog mm -hmm. going in. The lions and tigers, the little lions, I think were trying to stalk her. And the tigers, I think, want to play with Curie. <laughs> anytime they spotted her they got really restless and were like walking next to us in the fence growling and I was like oh no. <laughs> I was like my poor doggy so yes I had that and um, <coughs> I don't think there's going to be any decision made about my employment until probably late January what? <laughs> the next board meeting I thought you already had this sealed the deal <laughs> yeah, so did I. So did a couple of other board members. Ah! Um, yeah, you you missed this last week. There is one or more board members believe the decision was not made, and they are talking with somebody who is possibly wanting to come out and take my spot. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So, um, my gut instinct is I think I'm still going to end up with the position, but they've pretty much the people who don't think a decision was made are pretty adamant that a decision wasn't made. Um, the people who thought there was a decision made are pretty adamant that the board should honor its word and keep the decision to keep me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, much. Do you guys have Jimmy John's in San Francisco? No. Oh, you don't know. Does anybody know about Jimmy John's? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was, this is this actually has to do with what you're talking about. I was, Oh, really? <laughs> really? It's a restaurant where they make like, it's, it's, do you know Subway? Yeah. Okay. It's a restaurant kind of like Subway, except it's a little bit more kind of like, um, I don't know, like a little bit more edgy in, in some ways. Uh, but they have, they have all these comedy posters around um, and they have like a list of like life advice. Like every table you sit at, there's like a list of like 20 rules for life advice and <laughs> And they're always really funny. But like yesterday I went there for the first time um, and I was reading the life skills and, and what, or, or like words of wisdom. And one of them said, uh, if, 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 if you were, if, if I were to tell you the single reason why um, humanity hasn't reached its full potential, regardless of like age, sex, religion, and all that, uh, I could sum it up in a single word, and then there's like dot dot dot, and it said meetings. <laughs> like, so you're saying people like waste time in meetings. So. I like that. <laughs> it kind of reminds me. It's a, <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. So- Morning, sorry, guys. Something weird's happening with my computer. Okay, that's oh. fine. <laughs> there's a new version of Zoom apparently, and my computer's like, "You need to update this now." And I was like, "Oh, oh really? No." Uh oh, Reverend Uh-oh. Kelly, what's going on there? Well, that's my <laughs> job. So, um, <laughs> the good news is, is I talked to the realtor yesterday about, you know, if if I want to buy a condo, and she said actually we wouldn't start the process until like first of February. So at least, hopefully, I have a decision by then. So it, it's just been interesting. I, I felt better because there was that part of me that was like, am I crazy? Did I completely misperceive that meeting? Was I making up this, you know? Yeah. My mind that we were in, in had a consensus. Um, so at least, and it, it, I would say the board members I trust the most in terms of being clear as to what was said and all, mm-hmm. both were like, we had a consensus, guys. We may not have taken a formal vote, but we may <laughs> So, um, at least I'm feeling better about that. And just now I, I just don't, you know, I mean, the, 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 the position right now is, is we're not having a meeting. We, we don't have a meeting until January. So it's not going to get clarified till January. That's so weird why they wouldn't just get on the phone and just call them and talk to them right now. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's. There's like all these little rules about when meetings are held and why they're held and how they're held. And um, it was basically said, you know, this isn't an emergency situation. And so we wait until the next meeting. What can you say? Meetings. Yeah. Meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's where I'm at. It's just, you know, it's put me a little bit of a funk, but um, it's okay. I'm just having to be patient, you know. Just put some music to I, it. I try not to be patient because I, I heard Jacob Glass once, and he says, you know, what, you know what patience is? It's saying I'm tolerating this really, you know, effed up situation. <laughs> he was like, patience is still judgment. Um, so I've tried to just 
accept it and be loving and forgiving and <laughs> compassionate and all those things. I think patience is the shadow side of grace. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's really cool, Ryan. <laughs> well, well, we need to get starting. We've got um, about 14 pages, 13, 14 pages. It's a little longer than it's been the last couple of weeks. Okay. But that being said, we only have about 35 pages till the end of the book. <laughs> and then we set back on page one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Wait, it'll be me, Benjamin, Brian, Jack, Lydia, Nathan, Susan. We have everybody here. Mm -hmm. Woohoo! Um, it is chapter 30, section 2. Um, page 622 for pocket, 578 for hardcover, and large print, Susan, is? 753. 753. Indo version. Do we want to read that first paragraph of, of uh, introduction again? Just for the fun of it. Did you say it was the change? I thought we'd already done rules for decision. Huh. Okay. No, we just did introduction. Yeah, okay. we did the introduction. And that one little dangly. Yeah, but I, that was true, true uh, Nathan. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, maybe there's another section that's really close to it. Because I thought we did it too. What's the section called? Rules for Again? Decision. Mm -hmm. Th that's what we're reading? Yeah, it's chapter 30, um, the second section. So it's just right after the intro on chapter 30. I was just asking, did you, did you want to uh, read that first paragraph again just to because it's the beginning of this chapter. Yeah. Not that we have to, but. Mm -hmm. We can. Who wants to? Raise a hand. Do you want to reread re the intro? I'm, I'm open to whatever. <laughs> I'm staying. Okay, I'll, I'll, read, I'll, I'll read the intro and I'll read paragraph <coughs> I'll read actual <coughs> paragraphs. Okay, good. So we can get uh, But yeah, that kind of makes a little more sense actually to. I'm starting to mute you all, so start talking. I won't hear you. <laughs> okay. Okay, reading the intro, zipping through it. The new beginning now becomes the focus of the curriculum. The goal is clear, but now you need specific methods for attaining it. The speed by which it can be reached depends on this one thing alone, your willingness to practice every step. Each one will help a little t every time it is attempted. And together will these steps lead you from dreams of judgment to forgiving dreams and out of pain and fear. They are not new to you, but they are more ideas than rules of thought to you as yet. So now we need to practice them a while until there are rules by which you live. We seek to make them habits now so you will have them ready for whatever needs. So there's the intro. Paragraph two, rules for decision. Starting paragraph. Decisions are continuous. You do not always know when you are making them, but with a little, little practice with the ones you recognize, a set begins to form, which sees you through the rest. It is not wise to let yourself become preoccupied with every step you take. The proper set adopted consciously each time you wake will put you well ahead. And if you find resistance strong and dedication weak, you are not ready. 
Do not fight yourself, but think about the kind of day you want and tell yourself there is a way in which this very day can happen just like that. Then try again to have the day you want. Benjamin, mm. um, read paragraphs three, four, and five. Okay, read paragraphs three, four, and five. Okay. <clears throat> the outlook starts with this. Today, I will make no decision by myself. This means that you are choosing not to be the judge of what to do. But it also, oh, sorry, but it must also mean you will not judge the situations where you will be called upon to make responses. For if you judge them, you have set the rules for how you should react to them. And then another answer cannot but produce confusion and uncertainty and fear. This is your major problem now. You still make up your mind and then decide to ask what you should do. And what you hear may not resolve the problem as you saw it first. This leads to fear because it contradicts what you perceive, and so you feel attacked, and therefore <clears throat> There are rules by which this will not happen, but it does occur at first while you were learning how to hear. Jack, read 7, 8, and 9. Okay. <laughs> Throughout the day, at any time you think of it, <clears throat> and have a quiet moment for reflection, Tell yourself again the kind of day you want, the feelings you would have, the things you want to happen to you, and the things you would experience and say. And say this, if I make no decision by myself, this is the day that will be given me. These two procedures practiced well will serve to let you be directed without fear, for opposition will not first arise and then become a problem in itself. Uh, <clears throat> but there will still be times when you have judged already. Now the answer will provoke attack unless you quickly straighten out your mind to want an answer that will work. Be certain this has happened if you feel yourself unwilling to sit by and ask to have answer, the answer given you. This means you have decided by yourself and cannot see the question. Now you need a quick restorative before you ask. And then Nathan, go through 13. Okay. Remember once again the day you want and recognize that something has occurred which is not part of it. Then realize that you have asked a question by yourself and must have said an answer in your terms. Then say, I have no question. I forgot what to decide. This cancels out the terms which you have set and lets the answer show you what the question must have really been. Try to observe this rule without delay despite your opposition. For you have already gotten angry and your fear of being answered in a different way from what your version of the question asks will gain momentum until you believe the day you want is one in which you get your answer to your question. And you will not get it for it would destroy the day by robbing you 
of what you really want. This can be very hard to realize when you, when once you have realized, <laughs> you have decided by yourself the rules which promise you a happy day. Yet this decision can still be undone by simple methods which you can accept. If you are so unwilling <clears throat> to receive, you cannot even let your question go. You can begin to change your mind with this. At least I can decide I do not like what I feel now. <laughs> this much is obvious and paves the way for the next easy step. Having decided that you do not like the way you feel, what could be easier than to continue with? And so I hope I have been wrong. And Benjamin. Uh, this works against the sense of opposition and reminds you that help is not being thrust upon you, but is something that you want and that you need because you do not like the way you feel. This tiny opening will be enough to let you go ahead with just a few more steps. You need to let yourself be helped. Okay. Now you have reached the turning point because it has occurred to you that you will gain if what you have decided is not so. What? Now you have reached a turning point because it occurred to you that, we, what, that you will gain if you decide, okay. Until this point is reached, you will believe your happiness depends on being right. But this much reason have you now attained, you would be better off if you were wrong. Okay, Jack, 22 and 23. Okay. This tiny grain of wisdom will suffice to take you further. You are not coerced, but merely hope to get a thing you want. And you can say in perfect honesty, I want another way to look at this. Mm. Lydia. <laughs> now you have changed your mind about the day and have remembered what you really want. Its purpose has no longer been obscured by the insane belief you want it for the goal of being right when you are wrong. This is the readiness for asking brought to your awareness, for you cannot be in conflict when you ask for what you want and see that it is this for which you ask. Mm. Nathan, do through 27. Okay. Uh, the final step is but acknowledgement of lack of opposition to be helped. It is a statement of an open mind, not certain yet, but willing to be shown. Perhaps there is another way to look at this. What can I lose by asking? Thus, you now can ask a question that makes sense. And so the answer will make sense as well. Nor will you fight against it, for you see that it is you who will be helped by it. It must be clear that it is easier to have a happy day if you prevent unhappiness from entering at all. But this takes practice in the rules which will protect you from the ravages of fear. When this has been achieved, the sorry dream of judgment has forever been undone. But meanwhile, you have need for practicing the rules for its undoing. Let us then consider once again the very first of the decisions which are offered here. We said you can begin a happy day with the determination not to make decisions by yourself. This seems to be a real decision in itself and yet you cannot make decisions by yourself. The only question really is with what you choose to make them. That is really all. 
The first rule then is not coercion, but a simple statement of a simple fact. You will not make decisions by yourself, whatever you decide, for they are made with idols or with God. And you can ask help of Christ or Antichrist, and which you choose will join with you and tell you what to do. Uh, your day is not at random. <clears throat> it, it is set by what you choose to live it with and how the friend whose counsel you have sought perceives your happiness. You always ask advice before you can decide on anything. Let this be understood. And you can see there cannot be coercion here, nor grounds for opposition that you may be free. <clears throat> there is no freedom from what must occur. And if you think there is, you must be wrong. The second rule, <clears throat> the second rule as well is but a fact. For you and your advisor must agree on what you want before it can occur. It is but this agreement which permits all things to happen. Nothing can be caused without some form of union, be it with a dream of judgment or the voice of God. Decisions cause results because they are not made in isola isolation. They are made by you and your advisor for yourself and for the world as well. The day you want to offer to the world, for it will be what you have asked for and will reinforce <coughs> your advisor in the, in the world. Whose kingdom is the world for you today? What kind of day will you decide to have? It needs but two who would have happiness this day to promise it to all the world. It needs but two to understand that they cannot decide alone to guarantee the joy they have asked for will be wholly shared. For they have understood the basic law that makes decision powerful and gives it all effects that it will ever have. It needs but two. These two are joined before there can be a decision. Let this be the one reminder that you keep in mind and you will have the day you want and give it to the world by having it yourself. Your judgment has been lifted from the world by your decisions for a happy day. And as you have received, so must you give. I'll jump in there. Um, I was very impacted on um, paragraph six, on mine anyway. It's paragraph six. It starts with this is your major problem now. You will, it says you still set your mind and then decide to ask what you should do. No, yeah. Me because I didn't realize, I mean, I just kept thinking about it through the rest of this reading. I do that all the time. I've really got my mind set. I don't, real, I don't think I've ever really thought about that then I ask what to do. So I've already got it in place. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm going to have to be real aware of this. I, I highlighted that too, Susan. It's, it's cool that you pointed that out. Uh, we both, yeah, that was the only thing I highlighted in that whole section. I was thinking about that the whole time. That really reminds me of the difficulty of, uh, like, I have a friend right now who's, who's um, facing um, a cancer and I was praying this morning 
about uh, what, how to approach the helping, you know, and, and, I, and, and, and this really this said it exactly like the struggle that I was feeling is it's, it's, it's very, very hard to, um, to put my, uh, what I've learned aside and then ask Jesus, you know, Jesus, even though despite what I perceive, like, you know, what, um, what's your advice? Because, and so that was, that really affected me in the, in the terms of how I think of asking for guidance for, from Jesus and wanting to know, is it his voice or is it my voice? And I wanted to know it's his voice, but I need to know if it's his voice that I haven't made any choices, I think. But uh, yeah, that's really powerful. In the, I shared a while ago, I shared the link for the Ignatius way of decision-making. I shared it in an email that I sent you guys. And one of the things I think the third step or something is to pray for, um, to like get my will out of the way so that I'm listening only to God's. And I thought that that was kind of what this also talks about in a way. And I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. Um, that, you know, you probably already have the idea of what you want to do or what should be done or what the decision should be. And to be able to say, okay, that could still end up being an option. That's always the helpful voice for me is you could still do that. So it's okay. You can still pray for that to go away for a while. You may still end up doing it, but let's the surety you'll have once you've gotten clear. Is so very different, I think. Yeah, I, I, I almost like I'm already made up my mind and then I ask Jesus and then I just imagine saying yes. I'm like, okay, good. We're good to go. <laughs> but I want to not do that. It's kind of like using a GPS and saying, I know the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's going to correct me when I turn anyway. That's yeah. wrong. Well, yeah. It's like turning on my GPS, but drawing the map myself. Yes. <laughs> I, I like that first paragraph. I guess it's paragraph number two. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to people, like if I'm doing counseling or something, I'll bring this up. Um, I won't say it this way. It's better than I ever say it. But it says, it is not wise to let yourself become preoccupied with every step you take. And if you find resistance strong and dedication weak, you're not ready. Do not fight yourself, but think about the kind of thing you want and try again to have the day you want. I skipped some parts in there, but um, I swear that so often it's like, you know, there might be something we, we have trouble working with. And it's like, we get so frustrated, like, oh, I'm not applying this part of the course right. And then we get obsessed with that instead of just going, okay, let's... <clears throat> acknowledge this is where I'm at at this moment. This is how I'm feeling at this moment. Take a breath. Okay. Let's see what I can do to have the kind of day I want, you know, versus getting that. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't, I'm not, I'm not Buddha yet. And so why am I, you know, <laughs> throwing this up, you know? Um, yeah. and I just really like it to me that that really brings in that idea of, you know, being gentle with ourselves and, um, yeah. you know, you're still trying again to have the day you want. But at the same time, there's a sense of compassion and gentleness that maybe we're not quite to that point where we think we want to be. Mm -hmm. I like number 16. Uh, at least I can decide to not like what I feel now. I always talk about with people that I work with that feelings are alarm clocks going off. 
And so if you follow your feeling like, I don't like the way I feel right now. Okay, great. So what is it telling you? And so this kind of reminded me of that. And it was really, it was very like heartening, I guess, to have the assurance of how to put that in the terms of uh, the course. And, uh, and then to add to that, so I hope I had been wrong. Like, so something about the way I'm perceiving this isn't, isn't right yet. And I may not be there, which is kind of what Reverend Kelly just said. I may not be there yet to even tackle it. Because kind of what I hear also in what you said about this part, Reverend Kelly, and, and do not fight yourself if you're not ready, is like you haven't gotten your will out of the way or you're not ready to listen to that. You're not ready to listen yet. There's too much, you know, and maybe you need to have a slow, sad day. There's a reason we slow down when we get depressed. We slow down. Our bodies do that. God made us that way so that we slow down and think about things, you know? And so if that's, maybe you need to have a day of being with the feeling before you know what your next step is. And I thought that was really a powerful reminder of that for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. What, what comes to my mind on, on this decision-making, it's like a football game. Yeah, you know, the quarterback goes out there with his play, but he's not listening to the coach. You know, he's already got the – got the playing his mind what he thinks he needs to do, which is the wrong. Oh, yeah. You know, and so you're not, you're not tuned in to, okay, what should I do? No. That's <laughs> you know? a good analogy. Yeah. Just through it, man. yeah. There's almost a doubling down on that because I think there's also the like, well, I know how the game was supposed to be played. So I already had my set here already figured out what our next play is. Like it's, That's a, right, man. it's yeah. itself. Uh-huh. Lydia, would you like to start us on freedom of will? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you not understand that to oppose the Holy Spirit is to fight yourself? He tells you but your will. He speaks for you. In his divinity is but your own. And all he knows is but your knowledge, saved for you, that you may do your will through him. God asks you, do your will. He joins with you. He did not set his kingdom up alone, and heaven itself but represents your will, where everything created is for you. No spark of life but was created with your glad consent as you would have it be. And not one thought that God has ever had, but waited for your blessing to be born. God is no enemy to you. He asks no more than that. He hear you call him friend. Oops. Hold on, Nathan. Okay. Now you're unmuted. Go. <laughs> How wonderful it is to do your will, for that is freedom. There is nothing else that ever should be called by freedom's name. Unless you do your will, you are not free. And would God leave his son without what he has chosen for himself? God but ensured that you would never lose your will when he gave you his perfect answer. Hear it now that you may be reminded of his love and learn your will. God would not have his son made prisoner to what he does not want. He joins with you in willing you be free. And to oppose him is to make a choice against yourself and choose that you be bound. Look again, look once again upon your enemy, the one you chose to hate instead of love. 
for thus was hatred born into the world, and thus the rule of fear established there. Now hear God speak to you through him who is his voice and yours as well, reminding you that it is not your will to hate and be a prisoner to fear, a slave to death, a little creature with a little life. Your will is boundless. It is not your will that it be bound. What lies in you has joined with God himself in all creation's birth. Remember he who has created you and through your will created everything. Not one created thing but gives you thanks, for it is by your will that it was born. No light of heaven shines except for you, for it was set in heaven by your will. What cause have you for anger in a world which merely waits your blessing to be free? If you be prisoner, then God himself could not be free. For what is done to him whom God so loves is done to God himself. Think not he wills to bind you. Who has made you co-creator of the universe along with him? He would but keep your will forever and forever limitless. This world awaits the freedom you will give when you have recognized that you are free. But you will not forgive the world until you have forgiven who, him who gave your will to you. For it is by your will the world is given freedom. Nor can you be free apart from him whose holy will you share. God turns to you to ask the world be saved. For by your own salvation it is healed. And no one walks upon the earth but must depend on your decision that he learn death has no power over him because he shares your freedom as he shares your will. It is your will to heal him and because you have decided with him, he is healed. And now is God forgiven for you chose to look upon your brother as a friend. Um, Jack and Lydia, why don't you guys start us off? Mm-hmm. Well, I can, I can uh, I'm looking when I, uh, when I read this, I, uh, the thing that jumps out to me immediately is paragraph, uh, what is it? Mm. I, had my, I had my eyes checked yesterday and, and I've got problems with uh, near vision. <laughs> uh, it's 34 or the one that starts out with how wonderful it is to do your will. Uh, I guess what, what, <clears throat> what really strikes me and what catches my attention always when it talks about your will, um, because what I've come to understand in the course is that your will and God's will are the same. And when I read things like that, my mind sometimes goes to, okay, I can make decisions. I can do this. I can do that. You know, it's up to me to, to make these decisions or make these choices and things like that. But I oftentimes forget that it's not this will of perception that I have. It's the will that I share with God. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what's most important. So when I, when I get this idea that I'm going to go out and solve a problem or this, that, or the other, I have to stop and go, okay, wait a minute. Am I talking about this will that's based upon my ego and my perception, or is it this or is it this will that's based upon allowing God to speak to me and and guide me as we're talking about in this chapter? 
And how do you distinguish between the two? I, I, there's, there's little things that I do and, and it, I, I ask myself, am, am I being egotistical? Am I being selfish? Uh, am, am I motivated by something, you know, that I want? Or am I looking at the whole as oneness? Uh, and, and I get different answers at different times, but I, if I sit with it long enough, uh, what comes to me is, is the things within me that are, that I'm still struggling with my selfishness, you know, my egoism, my egotism, uh, and, and this, this perception of, of how the world could be changed. And, and so I have to get away from that to, to actually get myself in a position where I can begin to hear. I don't know if that makes sense. And it's hearing with the heart for me at any rate, because the ego does the same thing. It says, okay, who am I listening to? And it takes, it puts on the clothes of the other guy, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just falling back into the heart. You know? and, it, and it's difficult. It's difficult because it's like, we're so trained and I know that's the way I am anyway, is I'm so trained to react to what it is I can do, what it is I want, what it is, you know, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. In, instead of the the oneness, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the I oneness. Uh, yeah, and that I, there's two eyes. One is the eye of the heart, and one is the eye of the head. And the head's not the right. That's the <laughs> that's the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your turn, Lydia. I'm sorry, I got distracted. What happened to Ben? <laughs> I, I, I turned off his video. I don't, I, he, oh. like he was making breakfast or something, which is really distracting oh. me. So. Okay. <laughs> I can't help you now. Step out there, lady. <laughs> okay. okay, this is a really wonderful section. Um, uh, this is my first time reading this book, by the way. Um, I started out with the blue book and, um, and now I'm reading the purple book too. I mean, so um, this section is, it just really touches me because um, I find that like when I was a little girl, I used to ask an imaginary friend to help me with advice. Yeah. And I know that's like really messed up. <laughs> no, that's, I, cool. that's cool. I did it like for years years and yep. um um i you know i i always got really good advice not selfish advice like do this and you'll get you'll get ahead or something like that but it was it was always something really really good like um when my sister was mean to me you know um so this imaginary friend would tell me something like, tell her how pretty she is or something. Or, and That's nice. then she'd be feeling good. And like, uh, she'd read me a story. And, you know, it was, it was really strange that like, maybe I was asking mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit and I didn't yeah. even know. But like, yeah. now I feel after reading this and having read it before, it's just like, yeah ask for advice i mean now i mean it now more than ever 
I, you know, need it because there are so many things out in the world of illusion that just shocks me. And, and it's hard not to judge it and then judging the people involved in it and all sorts of things. And I can definitely ask and get quiet. And now I don't even have to go in the closet to do it, you know? (laughs) 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 Which is what I used to do. (laughs) Lydia, Lydia, the question comes to me, was was this was this uh, this person or thing whatever was it male or female? Oh, it was female. Really? Yeah. Her na- yeah, her huh? name was Packy, and I'm not sure why I picked that name or anything. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she was she was a girl. Um, uh, I think um, I'm see- I'm seeming to remember a brown skirt or something, but I. I <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty, pretty big cool. memory right now but um when when i was four i got into like a near fatal car accident and Uh-oh. i was bedridden for about 13 months so like uh-huh. after i got out of the hospital i had this like sort of body cast that came up to here so like um i was lo- alone a lot in bed wow. <clears throat> So I, I got to develop these relationships with, you know, these entities that like I gave names to, but Packy was like sort of really, really close to me. So. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I'm for, for a long time, I just like, I thought that's the way the world was. You sit in bed all day and then like, someone with a wooden stick comes and like taps your cast. So if you're itching or something, <laughs> I, I had no idea like what was out there, but, and um, I have to say that like when I got out, like, you know, got out of bed and actually like went to school, I was overwhelmed all these people and, mm-hmm. you know, all the stimuli, it was just like really overwhelming to me because like my life had been the hospital, home, bed, that's it. <laughs> How long were you in that cast? Uh, I was in the cast for like six months. Um, oh. uh, when I got off the cast, it was um, like some leg braces. Mm-hmm. And then I was, I started walking again and somehow I broke the leg again. And I, yeah. I know my mom, my poor mom, my poor single mom. Okay. She wow. was always like, always having to take off from work to take me somewhere, take me to therapy, take me to the doctor. Take, you know, I don't know how she did it. <laughs> wow. Yay, mom. <laughs> wow. Who, re- who read last? Uh, it was. Oh. I think I did. It was Ben. Yeah. Ben? Okay. Ben. <clears throat> okay, that would be Brian then. Beyond all idols. <clears throat> idols are quite specific, but your will is universal, being limitless. And so it has no form nor is content for its expression in the terms of form. Idols are limits. They're the belief that there are forms which will bring happiness and that by limiting is all attained. 
It is as if you said, I have no need of everything. This little thing I want, and it will be as everything to me. And this must fail to satisfy, because it is your will that everything be yours. Decide for idols, and you ask for loss. Decide for truth, and everything is yours. It is not form you seek. What form can be a substitute for God, the Father's love? What form can take the place of all the love in the divinity of God the Son? <clears throat> what idol can make two of what is one? And can the limitless be limited? You do, know, you do not want an idol. It is not your will to have one. It will not bestow on you the gift you seek. When you decide upon the form of what you want, you lose the understanding of its purpose. So you see your will within the idol, thus reducing it to a specific form. Yet this could never be your will because what shares in all creation cannot be content with small ideas and little things. Oh, <laughs> Behind the search for every idol lies the yearning for completion. Wholeness has no form because it is unlimited. To seek a special person or a thing to add to you to make yourself complete can only mean that you believe some form is missing. And by finding this, you will achieve completion in a form you like. This is the purpose of an idol that you will not look beyond it to the source of the belief that you are incomplete. Only if you had sinned could this be so. For sin is the idea you are alone and separated off from what is whole. And thus, it would be necessary for the search for wholeness to be made beyond the boundaries of limits on yourself. <coughs> It never is the idol that you want. But what you think it offers you, you want indeed and have the right to ask for. Nor could it be possible it be denied. Your will to be complete is but God's will, and this is given you by being his. God knows not form. He cannot answer you in terms which have no meaning, and your will could not be satisfied with em empty forms made but to fill a gap which is not there. It is not this you want. Creation gives no separate person and no separate thing the power to complete the Son of God. What idol can be called upon to give the Son of God what he already has? <laughs> Completion is the function of God's Son. He has no need to seek for it at all. Beyond all idols stands his holy will to be but what he is. For more than whole is meaningless. If there were change in him, if he could be reduced to any form and limited to what is not in him, he would not be as God created him. What idol can he need to be himself? For can he give a part of him away? What is not whole cannot make whole, but what is really asked for cannot be denied. Your will is granted. Not in any form that would content you not, but in the whole completely lovely thought God holds of you. Nothing that God knows not exists. 
and what he knows exists forever, sorry, and what he knows exists forever changelessly. For thoughts endure as long as does the mind that thought of them. And in the mind of God, there is no ending nor a time in which his thoughts were absent or could suffer change. Thoughts are not born and cannot die. They share the attributes of their creator, nor have they a separate life apart from his. The thoughts you think are in your mind as you are in the mind which thought of you. And so there are no separate parts in what exists within God's mind. It is forever one, eternally united and at peace. Thoughts seem to come and go. Yet all this means is that you are sometimes aware of them and sometimes not. An unremembered thought is born again to you when it returns to your awareness. Yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. The thought God holds of you is perfectly unchanged by your forgetting. It will always be exactly as it was before the time when you forgot and will be just the same when you remember. And it is the same with the interval when you forgot. The thoughts of God are far beyond all change and shine forever. They await not birth. They wait for welcome and remembering. The thought God holds of you is like a star, unchangeable in an eternal sky. So high in heaven is it set that those outside of heaven know not it is there. Yet still and white and lovely will it shine through all eternity. There was no time it was not there, no instant when its light grew dimmer or less perfect ever was. <clears throat> Who knows the Father? Who knows the Father knows this light? For he is the eternal sky which holds it safe, forever, forever lifted up and anchored sure. Its perfect purity does not depend on whether it is seen on earth or not. The sky embraces it and softly holds it in its perfect place, which is as far from earth as earth from heaven. It is not the distance nor the time which keeps this star invisible to earth, but those who seek for idols cannot know this star is there. Beyond all idols is the thought God holds of you completely unaffected by the turmoil and the terror of the world, the dreams of birth and death that here are dreamed, the myriad of forms that fear can take, quite undisturbed, the thought God holds of you remains exactly as it always was. Surrounded by a stillness so complete, no sound of battle comes remotely near. It rests in certainty and perfect peace. Here is your one reality kept safe, completely unaware of all the world that worships idols and that knows not God. In perfect sureness of its changelessness and of its rest in its eternal home, the thought God holds of you has never left the mind of its creator whom it knows, as its creator knows that it is there. Where could the thought God holds of you exist but where you are? 
is your reality a thing apart from you and in a world which your reality knows nothing of? Outside you, there's no eternal sky, no changeless star, no reality. The mind of heaven's son in heaven is, let's see, the mind of heaven's son in heaven is, for there the mind of father and son joined in creation, which can have no end. You have not two realities, but one, nor can you be aware of more than one. An idol or the thought God holds of you is your reality. Forget not then that idols must keep hidden what you are, not from the mind of God, but from your own. The star shines still, the sky has never changed, but you, the Holy Son of God himself, are unaware of your reality. Well, I have a question, because I'm, I'm stuck on this one um, sometime now. 40, it says, to seek a special person or a thing to add to you to make yourself complete can only mean that you believe some form is missing. And of course, you know, the Course teaches that again and again. But then I keep asking why do we have marriage or even why would you want to date anybody? <laughs> well, I know the answer to that. Oh, ben knows the answer. Go on, Ben. We were just reading that yesterday. Uh, I'm reading the Circle of Atonement book as we're reading this one, but I'm reading that daily and this one weekly. And um, yesterday we were on that section that said, in a holy relationship, this is the difference, is that a person looks inside themselves and sees themselves as whole, and he looks at another person and sees them as whole, and they seek to extend their wholeness to the other person out of joy. Whereas an unholy relationship, you look at yourself and see something missing, and then you look at somebody else and see them as incomplete, and you, you seek with them, you seek them out to make a bargain to make yourself whole. So that's how they're different. But in every, even in a holy relationship, I cannot see how you wouldn't have some expectation of the other person. And I think that in a holy relationship, you would have no expectations. Yeah, maybe. Well, one thing, I, one thing the Course said is like, if we could forgive perfectly, we would have no need for the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's like, just as long as we're here, we're not, we're, we're always striving towards that, um, you know, wholeness, mm -hmm. but maybe it has to do with like the first section that it's like, uh, we're not really ready, but we can start by following these guidances to, yeah. to yeah. make ourselves more willing and stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what I think. I guess just being on the other side of it oh, now. Oh, Kelly, you're muted. Uh, I've got when I unmute everybody, it doesn't unmute me. I'll give you the San Francisco answer, and then I'll give you my answer. Okay. <laughs> That'd be good. The San Francisco answer first. Let's hear the San Francisco answer is marriage, etc. is not usually a holy relationship. It's almost always a special relationship, and it's of the ego. Yeah. yeah. I.e. why a large portion of our congregation here in San Francisco doesn't marry, supposedly. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's the real re reason or their excuse, but um, 
there are quite a few people who will make comments like, oh yeah, there they go, making that person special. They're getting married, you know? And you're like, okay. Um, <laughs> I think that frequently can happen. This is my answer. Frequently can happen in marriage and dating, all those relationships. But I also think that Holy Spirit can bring two people together that can communicate to each other in such a way that they may be, are able to communicate what Holy Spirit wants to say in a way that they understand where somebody else might not be able to communicate that as well to that person. Yeah. And I think sometimes Holy Spirit brings people together um, in specific relationships to support them in their spiritual path because where they're at blends together in such a way that it, it helps them grow. Now, sometimes that growing may look really calm and peaceful, loving, and sometimes that may look explosive and horrible and awful. Um, so I personally don't villainize marriage and dating. Um, or, or let me rephrase that. I don't villainize marriage or monogamous dating. Because um, people in San Francisco <laughs> have no problem with dating. They just like to do it a lot. Lots of people. Um, <laughs> The world I live in here, people, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's a real fine line. And I've seen people come together. And then that part of that is that for it to be a holy relationship in like a marriage, mm -hmm. there also has to be, you know, what, what Benjamin was saying is you're not looking to the other person to complete yourself. But there also has to be an openness that... Um, if spirit guides that that relationship could end and you don't like hold on and fight against that. If Holy Spirit says, okay, well, we're done with this now. You know, if we're clinging on to it. Sure. If the, and I think that part of what you're saying is if the goal of the universe and of God is for us to continually self-actualize, that's every step of the way that we're going to be drawn to the people that are going to bring up our shit so that we have to deal with it. Yeah. So, the, so I believe desires are planted in us by God. And so the attraction you have for a human being or to be with that person is given to you. And so that you're drawn to that because that's the person that's going to uh, make you go through that experience as opposed to, because I understand, I feel like I understand your student questions like, well, if I'm perfectly whole and complete, why do I want, I could just sit here and beat job of the hut. Um, <laughs> yeah. not anything, right. But, mm -hmm. what, but that's not what the universal goal isn't for you to, sit still the universe's goal is for you to evolve i think that we can be continue to evolve together so i think that's why then you'll see it take its form mm -hmm. i think jack said earlier that i wanted to that i really resonated with was it was on the other it was a, i think it was it might have been two it was a section ago anyway where like because nathan you asked a great question you said to jack how do you know when you're i think it was listening to your will versus that whatever will mm -hmm. i think that one of the things that always comes up for me is um you know, we did have childhoods where bad things happened or good things happened, or we know we grew up in a certain way and that our triggers can show up. And so those are one of the things that I always, you notice where your will shows up is you have to make sure your trigger is not there. And I find that to be really helpful. Like if, you know, if you guys have ever done the love language quiz, super helpful. Yeah. It's, and it's online. It takes like about eight minutes. It's really helpful. But when you do the love language test, it lets you know, not only like how you understand and receive love, but also where your triggers are. So like, my love language is quality time. So if someone is choosing to spend time with me, then I know that I'm, I, I register that as receiving love. 
But conversely, where the trigger is, and I know I'm not aligned with God's will, is if someone isn't choosing to, to spend time with me, I immediately will, I can jump to, I've gotten better, but I can jump to, they don't like me, this isn't happening, this isn't working, blah, 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 blah. So that's where they, I think, so I can know that I'm outside of God's will because I've identified the darkness. So I feel like if you identify your darkness so you can bring it to the light, then the prayer I think is different. I don't know. That's somehow related to this for me. Okay, I'm done. That's good, Brian. <laughs> Brian, you brought up something for me that kind of, I don't know if I, I, I don't think I said it clearly, so I'm going to clarify and then we'll take break. Is, you know, and actually this is a part of what you were saying, Susan, is yes, we are perfect and we're whole and we're complete. But I think our journey is that we're not aware of that. Hmm. And so that for me is where the relationships comes in. It's not that it's changing our wholeness. It's our awareness of that wholeness. But we don't believe we're wholly complete in this experience. So how, how, can, we, how can we even perceive or, or correctly perceive uh, wholeness, you know, in this experience? Because we just don't see ourselves. That's why we're here, because we don't see ourselves as whole. When we see ourselves as whole, well, it disappears. Well, and it's all relationships. It's like relationships with my girlfriends too. You know, do I have expectations? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, yeah, are we all going to sit around like Jabba the Hutt? Are we all going to, is that, (laughs) it's fun to be with other people. It's just fun. But then you end up with the little expectations, you know? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure how, how much clarity you can get with Jabba the Hutt, but uh, (laughs) Uh, I, I mean, this this experience, there is not wholeness in this experience. This experience gives us opportunities to become more aware of our wholeness. And, and we work towards that, you know, in my opinion. So, uh, I mean, marriage, marriage uh, oftentimes, and I, I've thought about that a lot, and and I do see that marriage oftentimes is, you know, getting somebody else to try and help fill, you know, where, where we feel void, mm-hmm. you know, and, and things. And so we turn to others to try and complete us and, and things of that nature. But I think marriages can be also uh, something where you're actually helping support each other mm-hmm. and, and becoming more aware. I, I see it in, in jobs as well that uh, even where I'm working, it, it's kind of like, do they want to just correct you? Or, I mean, do they just want to get you to conform? Or do they want to actually help support you and and enlighten you on better ways to do things and to help you out? So they're either helping you or scolding you and trying to get you in a position where you might get fired or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, Go ahead. <laughs> okay, that's just the timeout. That's because we still have like seven pages, and three sections okay. to go. Um, nine fifteen. Let's do nine minutes. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> 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 you know, no, no. It's it's Ben's. It, it no. It's it's Brian's headshot. It's so like. Handsome. Yeah, no, that's why I thought you were laughing at. That's cute. He put that up, I was like, that's so cute. So cute. It's such a cute bag.
Oh, I say, okay, Lydia, you are still there. <laughs> oh, no, she's not. She's there, but she's not listening. Got it. Houston, um, how are you? Um, I was trying to reach you to um, hopefully make a reservation for a couple of friends of mine for Christmas Day. Um, they're Freya and Nancy. I have any availability because I know you're really busy on Christmas. So if you could give me a call back at 248-310-7726, I would very much appreciate it. I'd love to talk to you, Danny. I'm like a really fast typer, Reverend Kelly. <laughs> yeah, 60, 70 words a minute. I haven't tested recently, but last I knew I was about 63, 67 words a minute. That's pretty fast, isn't it? Yeah, really fast. I wow. actually can type faster than I can, t than I can write physically. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Total side note. My apartment, I just walked out to the um, living room. It smells like tar. It sucks. They're working on my road oh. again. Oh, they were. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was putting myself on mute because sometimes they're like literally like my, my bedroom's like shaking and <laughs> making rattling noises. So I was muting myself because of that. But yeah, I just walked out into the living room and I'm like, oh, it smells like tar out here. 
Raymond Kelly, can you send me a, um, a cell phone picture of that picture behind you so I can show it to my wife? Oh, yeah, totally. That'd be great. And I then the other that. thing is, I, I'm sorry, but can you resend me the homework from last week? Because I lost it in my email somehow. Yeah, let me see if I can see it real quick while I'm thinking about it. Okay, thank you. Benjamin. That was December 5. Yep, here he is. Okay, let me do that while I'm thinking of it. I did receive it, and then I went back to try to find it like a week later, and then now I can't find out. What are you eating, Ben? Pancakes? Okay, by the way, <laughs> Lydia, that's a perfect question for you to ask because did you used to love pancakes when you were little, and then when you got older, you into diets, you stopped eating pancakes? Oh, um, I loved pancakes when I was little. I really did. And um... <laughs> okay, because okay, the reason the reason why I ask is I've discovered this new pancake mix that's absolutely amazing. Cause I stopped eating pancakes kind of like a while ago because when I stopped eating like wheat and stuff. Mm -hmm. And but then I didn't really like like other types of pancakes. But I found this new one. Is the brand is called Birch Benders. And it's like a paleo. Uh, this. And they are honestly like the best pancakes I've ever had. Seriously. Um, it's made from. Yeah, they're so good. It's, it's like, it's like really, really good. It's it made, it's made out of cassava starch, you know, cassava root. Oh yeah. Cassava starch, organic coconut flour, almond flour, and then it does have some eggs. Can you eat eggs? Do you eat eggs? No, no. Oh, do, do some of your clients eat eggs? <laughs> uh, some of my clients eat eggs, yeah. Yeah. I don't and then it, it has lemon. <laughs> it's so good. I like the, I like the caveman on the... <laughs> the, the caveman on yeah. the it's a, it, it says caveman approved. <laughs> it's a little... Oh, and it also has monk fruit. Monk really? fruit. Oh, that's a good sweetener. It's a yeah. good low, low glycemic sweetener. Yeah. Oh. <coughs> Jack back. Hopefully she's still one book. Hmm, pancakes. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't eat pancakes much, but I, I love a good Belgian waffle. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so that's actually, I yeah, got the waffle maker and I wasn't happy with it. So for Christmas, that's actually my parents bought me a, a different Belgian waffle maker. Nice. Oh. So I'm hoping it's crispy. <laughs> this is, my grandma just gave me this waffle maker. It has, it's like a, it's like a clover leaf. Yeah. And they're hearts. You see the little hearts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's great. <laughs> Okay, we got a mosey here. Um, I've lost my place. <laughs> I'm like, where are we at? Here, stop that. She goes, I like making my little things jingle. Okay, <laughs> section five, the truth behind illusions. And we are on Susan. You are starting us. Okay. The truth behind illusions. 
You will mm -hmm. attack what does not satisfy, and thus you will not see you made it up. You always fight illusions. For the truth behind Oh, crap. Hold on. Sorry, Susan, I muted you by accident. Should I start over? Um, yeah, start over. I think it was like partway into the second sentence when I hit you by accident. Okay. Truth behind illusions. You will attack what does not satisfy, and thus you will not see you made it up. You always fight illusions. For the truth behind them is so lovely and so still in loving gentleness. Were you aware of it, you would forget defensiveness entirely and rush to its embrace. The truth could never be attacked, and this you knew when you made idols. They were made that this might be forgotten. You attack but false ideas and never truthful ones. All idols are the false ideas you made to fill the gap you think arose between yourself and what is true. And you attack them for the things you think they represent. <sighs> what lies beyond them cannot be attacked. That was good. The weary, wearying, dissatisfying gods you made are blown up children's toys. <laughs> A child is frightened when a wooden head springs up as a closed box is opened suddenly, or when a soft and silent woolly bear begins to speak. I don't know if everybody heard that. My whole room's shaking again. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, oh. Um, <clears throat> squeak as he takes hold of it. The rules he made for boxes and for bears have failed him and have broken his control of what surrounds him. And he is afraid because he thought the rules protected him. Now must he learn the boxes and the bears did not deceive him, broke no rules, nor mean his world is made chaotic and unsafe. He was mistaken. He misunderstood what made him safe and thought that it had left. The gap that is not there is filled with toys in countless forms. And each one seems to break the rules you set for it. It never was the thing you thought. It's, it, it must appear to break your rules for safety since the rules were wrong. This, this is deep right here. But you are not endangered. You can laugh at popping heads and squeaking toys as does the child who learns they are no threat to him. Yet while he likes to play with them, he still perceives them as obeying rules he made for his enjoyment. So there still are rules which they can seem to break and frighten him. Yet is he at the mercy of his toys? And can they represent a threat to him? Reality observes the laws of God and not the rules you set. It is his laws which guarantee your safety. All illusions that you believe about yourself obey no laws. They seem to dance a little while according to the rules you set for them, but then they fall and cannot rise again. They are but toys, my children. Do not grieve for them. Their dancing never brought you joy, but neither were they things to frighten you nor make you safe if they obeyed your rules. They must be neither cherished nor attacked but merely looked upon as children's toys without a single meaning of their own. See one in them, and you will see them all. See none in them, and they will touch you not. Appearance deceives because they are appearances and not reality. Dwell not on them in any form. 
they but obscure reality and they bring fear because they hide the truth. Do not attack what you have made to let you be deceived, for thus you prove that you have been deceived. Attack has power to make illusions real, yet what it makes is nothing. Made fearful by power that can have no real effects at all. What could it be but an illusion, making things appear like it to, like to itself? Look calmly at its toys and understand that they are idols, which but dance to vain desires. Give them not your worship, for they are not there. Yet this is an attack. God's son needs no defense against his dreams. His idols do not threaten him at all. His one mistake is that he thinks them real. What can the power of illusions do? Appearances can but deceive the mind that wants to be deceived. And you can make a simple choice that will forever place you far beyond deception. You need not concern yourself with how this will be done. For this you cannot understand. But you will understand that mighty changes have been quickly brought about when you decide one very simple thing. You do not want whatever you believe an idol gives. For thus the Son of God declares that he is free of idols, and thus is he free. Salvation is a paradox indeed. What could it be except a happy dream? It asks you but that you forgive all things that no one ever did to overlook what is not there and not to look upon the unreality as reality. You are but asked to let your will be done and seek no longer for the things you do not want. And you are asked to let yourself be free of all the dreams of what you, what you never were and seek no more to substitute the strength of idle wishes for the will of God. fade and disappear for here the gap that is not there begins to be, be perceived without the toys of terror that you made no more than this is asked be glad indeed salvation asks so little not so much it asks for nothing in reality and even in illusions it and even in illusions it but asks forgiveness be the substitute for fear such is the only rule for happy dreams the gap is emptied of the toys of fear, and then its unreality is plain. Dreams are for nothing, and the Son of God can have no need of them. They offer him no single thing that he would ever want. He is delivered from illusions by his will, but restored to what he is. What could God's plan for his salvation be except to give him, him to himself? Uh, Nathan and Lydia, why don't you okay. share with us on this section? Mm -hmm. We're talking again, uh, always about form and not being afraid of form. And we just got through reading that God knows not form. So we're back into form and content again. It seems maybe I'm cobbling, you know, different philosophies together, but 
out of formlessness arises form. And so we're talking about form. We're being afraid of the children's toys of form that move, rise, and go away. And we're, we're giving it reality, which it doesn't have. We're giving it the reality that, that illusion gives it. We, we're doing that. So I'm coming back again to the reality of formlessness, the no mind. Uh, from no mind comes all form. But the form is just the dance of life. So, so you don't get, you know, caught up in it. You Back again, for, for my process, it's, it's coming back into the silence of the heart and resting there. You know, because I, again and again, if I, if I find myself in my thinking psychological mind, then I'm just, I'm just going down the rabbit hole. Does that make any sense to anybody? Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, I have nothing to add. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like this section. Um, I do recognize that idols take all sorts of forms. And, you know, I like the illusion of um, calling them toys. Um, and, but the idols... You don't need the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't... I, I know that there are all sorts of idols, so they're not they're not necessarily the big car or the big house. Could be it could be just um, doing better than someone else in in school. Hey, that's a good. There's a good analogy. Okay, um, it could be. It, I mean, it could be anything. So, um, I am. Um, I mean, I've spent years trying to recognize when I am making something more important than it really is, because sometimes just realizing that this is an illusion and I'm making things very real, is it jolts you awake. Have, has anybody ever had the experience of closing your eyes and just like trying to get away from all of this nonsense and then opening them and being really disoriented? Mm -hmm. No, you're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> it, it's almost like you can't, you can't stand up straight because it's like you suddenly your brain woke up to you're not really here yeah. and it was jolting and you just like, whoa. I, I gotta catch my breath, and that's when you have to say, "Okay, uh, I'm I'm here. I'm not going to float away and disappear. I just need to like get straight right now." <laughs> but I mean, it truly, truly, it's it's a very weird experience. It almost it almost seems like the truth is like so close to the surface mm -hmm. that which is why I think a lot of us run away from it because the truth is so close to the surface that if you realize that all of this didn't mean anything, it would, it would just shock you and terrify you. Mm -hmm. It made me think when they talk about toys, children's toys, I kept thinking throughout the reading here, 
about the Jack in the Box and how terrified kids <laughs> pops out. I mean, every time, no matter how many times they see it, it takes them a very long time to get used to that, that fear. And that's kind of what it's like. <laughs> I wouldn't want it to bother anybody, but, uh, you know, did you ever think about every toy that's out there was made and put together by somebody who was trying to fill a gap? Hmm. Ah, interesting. Well, now that's a depressing thought to end this section on. <laughs> Not bad thing. Lydia, what, what you're talking about? Huh? Uh, Lydia, you, you reminded me on those dreams. What uh, I dreamed last night, it was like an out-of-body dream. I was dreaming, wondering where Nathan was. You know, I thought he was wandering around the house somewhere, and I was, I was in bed wondering where he was. And uh, Ah. Uh, Did that... That's neat, Nathan. That's funny, dude. I had forgotten about that, but thank you for reminding me. <laughs> it's almost a scary dream in a way. It's been years to forget that, didn't it? <laughs> you had to remind me, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. It's funny that Lydia brought that up. It's funny because I didn't think about it. When I was at my parents, my dad, my dad, like, his way of expressing love is to cook and to feed me. And to yes. Feed me. And to feed <laughs> me and feed me. He really should have been like a, a southern woman or something. <laughs> but we had found, you know, those um, the breakfast rolls, but they're in the can and you have to bake them, but you have to open the can yeah. first. Mm -hmm. Me and my dad both are in the kitchen, like peeling the paper really carefully because we knew it was going to pop. And uh -huh. as soon as it popped, we both jumped like a foot each. <laughs> we were so freaked out by this can that popped. And I'm like, you know, it's weird because it's like in my head, I'm thinking, I know this can is not going to hurt me. <laughs> and yet there's this thought like, can <laughs> not explode like that? Oh. I have a question. I have a question because I get stuck on paragraph 52, the third sentence. All illusions that you believe about yourself obey no laws. They seem to dance a little while according to the rules you set for them, but they fall and cannot rise again. So I'm having a hard time dis distinguishing thoughts from illusions in the way that we talk about them. Mm -hmm. Because like we said, like a thought is exists until it's remembered and blah, 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 blah. But it's saying that illusions fall and cannot rise again. Um, is this, am I being too literal or am I, I'm wondering if anybody has an insight. Can you repeat that? Yeah, so it's this paragraph 52. Like the third sentence, all illusions that you believe about yourself obey no laws. They seem to dance a little while according to the rules you set for them, but then they fall and cannot rise again, which is the opposite of what we said about thoughts, which is like, you just you know, forgot about it and then it comes back to you. Mm -hmm. So then they, didn't die, they didn't fall and cannot rise again. They somehow come back. So I'm trying to... You know, each section made sense to me until you just juxtaposed them, and now I'm, like, confused, too. <laughs> that's, that's the only sentence I, I even underlined in that section. <laughs> so that's interesting. I guess I'm, I, so if we're, okay, so good. We stumped ourselves. Yay! So <laughs> the difference between illusion and thought, I think, is what I'm... Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a comment in there. I don't see that in this sentence... Uh, I don't see in this sentence a connection to thoughts. Is it so, no, the, the thought that I'm having, the, 
the, the reason why I'm saying, because in thoughts, in the other section, it says that thoughts do never, do never die. Right? And here it's saying illusions do die. So so you, yeah, here it is. You're it's, just combining. The, okay. Yeah, it's paragraph 44, which was like actually two sections ago. Thoughts um, seem to come and go. Yeah, where it says thoughts seem to come and go, yet all this means is that you are sometimes aware of them and sometimes not. Blah, blah, blah. Yet it did not die when you forgot it. It was always there, but you were unaware of it. Mm-hmm. And then this section talks about, you know, yeah, the illusions come and go. And yeah, and initially wow. you say, well, it's the thoughts of God are eternal. But then when I reread 44, it's not. It, it's your, and he's saying your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> well, illusions are illusions. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not real. You know, so it, it, those thoughts come and go, but they're not your real thoughts. Your real thoughts, though, it's like real love or love goes forever. These illusionary thoughts, I, I don't, you know, it's just like clouds in this form world, you know, they, they come and they go. It doesn't have a, mm-hmm. a reality per se itself. Only the, so 44 should be, and, and we're going over a little bit on this section, but this has stumped me, so I'm going to let us go over. 44 in that previous section, would we, are we generally kind of, what, what you're saying, Nathan, that should be almost like a capital T for thoughts. It's not talking about the little thoughts that are illusory, illusory, but our eternal thoughts that we're one with God, that we're a child of God. Those are the thoughts it's referencing. And yeah. it probably should have capitalized it versus. It would have to be because we've we, we yeah. got a split mind and the one is illusory and the other is real. And most well, of I, it seems I, that, 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 I appreciate Nathan. It does not satisfy me. Bigger conversation we can't have enough today because 43 appeals to 44 as well. And this person knows how to press shift T who typed this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Capital and lowercase thoughts. So some are ours and some are God's. And this is the part where I think I'm the most confused whenever I've heard about the course is the thoughts living forever and, blah, 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 and, and we're thoughts in the mind of God that all that, all that gets a little something for me. So this may be a part where I need more study. Well, I think, I think if you sit with 43 a little bit longer and read the whole paragraph, because the whole, whole paragraph kind of pulls it all together. And, and really when you get into this other, this other section over here in 52 or 53, whichever one y'all have, uh, it is talking about the thoughts that the thoughts that you have that make you believe that an illusion is real. Okay, because we have we have these. Yeah, go ahead. Ben, well, I just yeah. One perspective on forty four is that it seems like uh, Jesus is bringing up that example just to reference the next sentence. Uh, you know, so that we have something to relate it to, which is that he's comparing the thought that God holds of of us is unchanged, even when we forget. So, the, and the thought that God's hold of us is 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 Christ, as I understand it. Uh, God is the first thought, the Course in Miracles says, and then from that first thought, He thinks us into existence, and that's the true self of Christ. And, and that's, and that's our self. And so, but when we, from our ego's perspective, forget our identity as Christ, Christ remains the same. 
And I think that the previous sentence is just a brushing, like wetting our whistle to get us to comprehend the next sentence, which is that, which is that when we forget our true identity, our true identity doesn't change. Brian, this is, this is, a, this is a difficult transition to, to make, uh, going from our thoughts that we have uh, in, this, in this illusion and in our perceptions to actually having godly thoughts or God's willful thoughts. And, and we, we, I struggle with it uh, still a lot, and, and I just have to continually remind myself that I need to open my mind and be willing to see things differently until, until I'm at a point where, where spirit can help me understand it. Because some of these things that we talk about in here is it's trying to get us awakened, mm -hmm. difficult to comprehend and let go of and our perception and our world of perception. And so it, if it's not really clear to you right now, just you can reread re, it and reread it, whatever, but just be willing to, to allow spirit to, to help you change your mind about the way you're perceiving. Yeah, I'm putting a post-it note in here because that was helpful. That was helpful. And I think I just want to spend, I'll spend some more time with it. And I'll let you know if I figure something out for myself. <laughs> yeah, I see. I'm in the same boat with you, Brian, and we're going to move on is, you know, I'm, I'm like, there's like, I'm reading the sections separately and they're making sense. But when I'm putting them together, even though everything everybody's saying is making sense to me, they're still feeling like they're conflicting somehow. Yeah. So um, I, I might, if I get a chance, maybe I'll bring up with Reverend Tony today too and see if he's got any insight. If I, if I come up with anything, same thing, I'll email. Okay. If it has a brilliant breakthrough, let us know. Moving on. <laughs> the only purpose. Let me, get everybody muted. Let me mute everybody first before I start talking so I don't accidentally mute somebody I shouldn't. I couldn't get Jack to mute for a moment. There he goes. There's Ben. Okay. The only purpose. The real world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. Fear is not its goal, and the escape from guilt becomes its aim. The value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols, which are sought no longer, for their gifts are not held dear. No rules are idly set and no demands are made of anyone or anything to twist and fit into the dream of fear. Instead, there is a wish to understand all things created as they really are. And it is recognized that all things must be first forgiven and then understood. Okay, I'm just highlighting something. Okay. Um, here it is thought that understanding is acquired by attack. There, in the real world, it is clear that by attacking, by attack, understanding is lost. The folly of pursuing guilt as a goal is fully recognized. And idols are not wanted there, for guilt is understood as the sole cause of pain in any form. No one is tempted by its vain appeal, for suffering and death have been perceived as things not wanted, 
and not striven for. The possibility of freedom has been grasped and welcomed, and the means by which it can be gained can now be understood. The world becomes a place of hope because its only purpose is to be a place where hope of happiness can be fulfilled. The world, can I just read that part again? The world becomes a place of hope because its only purpose is to be a place where hope of happiness can be fulfilled. And no one stands outside this hope because the world has been united in belief the purpose of the world is one, which all, all must share if hope be more than just a dream. Wow. <clears throat> Not yet is heaven quite remembered, for the purpose of forgiveness still remains. Yet everyone is certain he will go beyond forgiveness, and he but remains until it is made perfect in himself. He has no wish for anything but this. And fear has dropped away because he is united in his purpose with himself. There is a hope of happiness in him so sure and constant, he can barely stay with his feet still touching earth. Yet is he glad to wait till every hand is joined and every heart made ready to arise go with him. For thus is he made ready for the step in which all forgiveness is left behind. The final step is God's, because it is but God who could create a perfect son and share his fatherhood with him. No one outside of heaven knows how this can be, for understanding this is heaven itself. Even the real world has a purpose still beneath creation and eternity. But fear is gone because its purpose is forgiveness, not idolatry. And so is heaven's son prepared to be himself and to remember that the son of God knows everything his father understands and understands it perfectly with him. The real world still falls short of this, for this is God's own purpose, only his and yet completely shared and perfectly fulfilled. The real world is a state in which the mind has learned how easily do idols go when they are still perceived, but not wanted. How willingly the mind can let them go when it has understood that idols are nothing and nowhere and are purposeless. For only then can guilt and sin be seen without a purpose and as meaningless. Yes. <clears throat> Thus is the real world's purpose gently brought into awareness to replace the goal of sin and guilt and all that stood between your image of yourself and what you are. Forgiveness washes you. Oh, wait a minute. And all that stood between your image of yourself and what you are, forgiveness washes joyfully away. Yet God need not create his son again, that what is his be given back to him. The gap between your brother and yourself was never there. And what the Son of God knew in creation, he must know again. When brothers join in purpose in the world of fear, they stand already at the edge of the real world. Perhaps they still look back and think they see an idol that they want. Yet has their path been surely set away from idols toward reality. 
For when they joined their hands, it was Christ's hands they took, hand they took, and they will look on him whose hand they hold. The face of Christ is looked upon before the Father is remembered, for he must be unremembered till his son has reached beyond forgiveness to the love of God. Yet is the love of Christ accepted first, and then will come the knowledge they are one. How light and easy is to step across the narrow boundaries of the world of fear when you have recognized whose hand you hold. Within your hand is everything you need to walk with perfect confidence away from fear forever and to go straight on and quickly reach the gate of heaven itself. For he whose hand you hold was waiting, but for you to join him. Now that you have come, would he delay in showing you the way that he must walk with you? His blessing lies on you as surely as his father's love rests upon him. His gratitude to you is past your understanding, for you have enabled him to rise from chains and go with you together to his father's house. An ancient hate is passing from the world, and with it goes all hatred and all fear. Look back no longer, for what lies ahead is all you ever wanted in your hearts. Give up the world, but not to sacrifice. You never wanted it. What happiness have you sought here that did not bring you pain? What Excuse me. moment of content has not been bought at fearful price in coins of suffering? Joy has no cost. It is your sacred right. And what you pay for is not happiness. Be speeded on your way by honesty. And let not your experience here deceive in retrospect. They were not free from bitter costs and joyless consequences. Do not look back except in honesty. And when an idol tempts you, think of this. There never was a time an idol brought you anything except the guilt of guilt. Not one was bought except at cost of pain, nor was it ever paid by you alone. Be merciful unto your brother then, and do not choose an idol thoughtlessly, remembering that he will pay the cost as well as you. For he will be delayed when you look back and you will not perceive whose loving hand you hold. Look forward then, and walk in confidence with happy hearts that beat in hope and do not pound in fear. <clears throat> the will of God forever lies in those who ha whose hands are joined. Until they joined, they thought he was their enemy. But when they joined and shared the purpose, they were free to learn their will is one. And thus the will of God must reach to, their, reach to their awareness. Nor can they forget for long that it is but their own. Benjamin, I may have you be the sole commenter on this section. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Okay. Well, um, 
that I'll start with my first highlight. Um, oh, um, the first thing I highlighted from this section was uh, from paragraph 63, when brothers join in purpose in the world of fear, they stand already at the edge of the real world. Um, I love that imagery, like standing on a cliff, like and, and uh, beyond the cliff is heaven and just happens when we share a purpose. The next thing I highlighted is the face of Christ is looked upon before the Father is remembered. And, and it's so beautiful too. Um, we got to look to Christ and each other. And then and, and when we see that, then we can remember God and and um and then last thing along those lines from the last paragraph we just read is the will of God forever lies in, in those whose hands are joined not really what what actually comes to my mind with that is kind of like um evil in the world and the government uh not particularly not I don't want to be too hard on the government but like any not the government particularly I just want to say evil corporations I think of like uh, like um, some people that like fight and you know start wars and steal things. Um, one thing I know about mafias and 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 things like that is they often are controlled by like people's one person's hatred for another person, and they're kind of like kind of like a team of gangsters that like hate each other. Um, and um, but their hands are not joined really because they're afraid of each other and they lead by fear and whoever has causes the most fear is the leader. Whereas uh, people who are brothers in the common purpose, like we can be and, and, and like the grassroots people can be, they ultimately have the most power because um, we have the will of God with us when our hands are joined together and that reminds me, in the Course in Miracles, one portion Jesus said, he said, the meek will inherit the earth uh, literally because of their strength, I think is what it said. And he was just saying, like, when we just share one mind, our strength is so powerful. When we join together in one purpose with one mind, our strength is so powerful that anything that we will just automatically happens. So forget about computers, technology, money, nuclear bombs. We don't need any of that. All we need is a shared will, and we are the ultimate power. That's a great place to move on from. Good work, Benjamin. Thank you. <laughs> um, Nathan, the justification for forgiveness. <clears throat> The justification for forgiveness. Anger is never justified. Attack has no foundation. It is here escape from fear begins and will be made complete. Here is the real world given in exchange for dreams of terror. For it is on this forgiveness rests and it is but natural. You are not asked to offer pardon where attack is due and would be justified. For this would mean that you forgive a sin by over overlooking what is really there. This is not pardon. For it would assume that by responding in a way which is not justified, your pardon will become the answer to attack that has been made. And thus, is pardon inappropriate by being granted where it is not due? 
Pardon is always justified. It has a sure foundation. You do not forgive the unforgivable, nor overlook a real attack that calls for punishment. Salvation does not lie in being asked to make unnatural responses which are inappropriate to what is real. Instead, it merely asks that you respond appropriately to what is not real by not perceiving what has not occurred. If pardon were unjustified, you would be asked to sacrifice your rights when you return forgiveness for attack. But you are merely asked to see forgiveness as the natural reaction to distress, which rests on error and thus calls for help. Forgiveness is the only sane response. It keeps your rights from being sacrificed. This understanding is the only change that lets the real world rise to take the place of dreams of terror. Fear cannot arise unless attack is justified. And if it had a real foundation, pardon would have none. The real world is achieved when you perceive the basis of forgiveness is quite real and fully justified. While you regard it as a gift unwarranted, it must uphold the gift you would forgive or the guilt you would forgive. Unjustified forgiveness is attack, and this is all the world can ever get. It pardons sinners sometimes, but remains aware that they have sinned, and so they do not merit the forgiveness that it gives. Ben's not here, so I'll go. Yep. Okay. This is the false forgiveness which the world employs to keep the sense of sin alive. In recognizing God is just, it seems impossible his pardon could be real. Thus is the fear of God the sure result of seeing pardon as unmerited. No one who sees himself as guilty can avoid the fear of God, but he is saved from this dilemma if he can forgive. The mind must think of its creator as it looks upon itself. If you can see your brother merits pardon, you have learned forgiveness is your right as much as his. Nor will you think that God intends for you a fearful judgment which your brother does not merit. For it is the truth that you can merit neither more nor less than he. Forgiveness recognizes as merited will heal. Forgiveness recognized as merited will heal. Okay. It gives the miracle its strength to overlook illusions. This is how you learn that you must be forgiven too. There can be no appearance that cannot be overlooked. For if there were, it would be necessary first there be some sin which stands beyond forgiveness. There would, be an, that, so there would be an error that is more than a mistake, a special form of error which remains unchangeable, eternal, and beyond correction or escape. There would be one mistake which had the power to undo creation and to make a world which could replace it and destroy the will of God. Only if this were possible could there be some appearances which could withstand the miracle and not be healed by it. Hmm. It must be true. The miracle can heal all forms of sickness or it cannot heal. Is that the right paragraph? No, it's the one above that one. Okay, 75, Lydia. Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) There is no sure proof. Oh, God. You know what? Why was I so ahead? I don't know. I was reading ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, There is no sure proof. Idolatry is what you wish than a belief 
there are some forms of sickness and of joylessness forgiveness cannot heal. This means that you prefer to keep some idols and are not prepared as yet to let go all idols. And thus you think that some appearances are real and not appearances at all. Be not deceived about the meaning of a fixed belief that some appearances are harder to look past than others are. It always means you think forgiveness must be limited and you have not, and you have set a goal of partial pardon and a limited escape from guilt for you. What can this be except a false forgiveness of yourself and everyone who seems apart from you? It must be true the miracle can heal all forms of sickness or it cannot heal. Its purpose cannot be to judge which forms are real and which appearances are true. If one appearance must remain apart from healing, one illusion must be part of truth. And you could not escape all guilt, but only some of it. You must forgive God's Son entirely, or you will keep an image of yourself that is not whole and will remain afraid to look within and find escape from every idol there. Salvation rests on faith. There cannot be some forms of guilt which you cannot forgive. And so there cannot be appearances which have replaced the truth about God's Son. Look on your brother with a willingness to see him as he is, and do not keep a part of him outside your willingness that he, that he, can, that he be healed. To heal is to make whole, and what is whole can have no missing parts that have been kept inside. Forgiveness rests on recognizing this and being glad there cannot be some forms of sickness which the miracle must lack the power to heal. God's son is perfect, or he cannot be God's son. Nor will you know him if you think he does not merit the escape from guilt in all its forms and all its consequence. There is no way to think of him but this, if you would know the truth about yourself. I thank you, Father, for your perfect son, and in his glory will I see my own. Wow. Here's the joyful statement that there are no forms of evil which can overcome the will of God. The glad acknowledgement that guilt has not succeeded by your wish to make illusions real. And what is this except a simple statement of the truth? Look on your brother with this hope in you, and you will understand he could not make an error that could change the truth in him. It is not difficult to overlook mistakes that have been given no effects. But what you see is having power to make an idol of the Son of God you will not pardon. For he has become to you a graven image and a sign of death. Is this your Savior? Is, your, is his father wrong about his son? Or have you been deceived in him who have been given you to heal for your salvation and deliverance? Oh, my here's, God. Here's the closing prayer. Yay, God. Woohoo. Love you all. Okay. <laughs> if you got to go, go. <laughs> Uh, wow. I'm staying for the after party. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just know sometimes Brian has a client or somebody else has a client. Lay it out. Lay it out. Lay it out. Lay it out. Awesome. Well, I, I have definitely like huge commentary on this. Huge. How many minutes? How many minutes is huge? Well, well I won't take, too, but I won't take too much time but um, 
But besides that, if whoever's at the after party, I actually did write something this morning that I really want to share with the group that's totally different from this section. So I'll let you guys go first, though. Everyone's. Cool, oh, man. You got the floor, bud. Let me go. Okay. All right. Well, I just, you know, first of all, I got to take the twig out of my own eyes before I, you know, say anything about anybody else. Um, so, God willing, I can just do that right now. But, like, this, this really reminds me we were having some debate. Um, no, not debate. We, we were having constructive conversation like a month ago about um, healing the mind and healing the body. And me and Jack talked for like two hours after class one day. Um, when I, we came to the agreement, you know, you got to heal the mind first and then the body may or may not show expressions of the mind's healing. And uh, it, suffice to say that. Um, but 70, with that being said, 76, um, just really, it feels clarified it so much for me it must be true the miracle can heal all forms of sickness or cannot heal. And then it says its purpose cannot be to judge which forms are real and which appearances are true. And so that right there, it's, it's when it says appearances and forms of sickness, you know, it's really clear to me. They're talking about the appearances that we see in the, in the dream. If one appearance must remain apart from healing, one illusion must be, part of truth which is impossible so that um that to, uh, to, to me that really clarifies uh the the role of of healing for for, for me and for for, uh, for us and just say uh actually i, I, I maybe i'm not crystal clear but it, it, it kind of underlines the role of healing for me what 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 do you guys think? I I, I remember Nathan, for example, Reverend Kelly. We were, you know, we were discussing healing before. You know, reading that, you know, does that? What do you guys think about that? The whole chapter that we just read. Look how many times the word appearances appear. Yeah, the whole theme of the whole chapter is appearances. So that's that's the whole mining down into that. What is an appearance? You know, it's back again, isn't it? To form and content and yeah, uh, forms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I guess that's all I wanted to highlight for that. But does anybody, if anybody, unless anybody else has any comment on that section, I have a, I have a little paper I want to read to you guys. Give me a little paper. <laughs> <laughs> paper? It's it's a, just an article I, I wrote this morning. It's it's not very long. It's like a page uh, in twelve maybe fourteen point font. So just in, in Microsoft Word. Not not too crazy. Um but there there's a little bit of switching gears. Okay, switching gears now. Um, I'm so glad to be able to share this with you because I didn't know who I could share it with except for Course in Miracles students because it's so far out. But um, this morning, okay, I need to preface this paper so you kind of know where I'm coming from. I'll do it really briefly. I, I, I'm, t I'm going back to school online 
line and, and I'm, I'm studying a class algebra. Okay. And I'm starting from the beginning for college level algebra and going through the basics. And the other day I watched a video two days ago about the number zero. And this is a very profound number. And what I learned is that when you take zero times zero, it equals zero. But when you take 0.1, which is still technically zero, but just with a little remainder, times 0.1, that's, that still is, is, is very close to zero, but it's not quite zero. And then when you keep expanding out the decimal point to 0.001 and 0.00001 out to like five times, um, it's actually, uh, the further out you go, it actually becomes very, very close to the number one. And, and after about five decimal points, if you go 0.00001 to the power of that number, you know, not multiplied by that same number, it becomes 0.9999. And so if you had 0 0.00 out to like 100 digits or 1,000 digits or a million digits, the farther out you go and then multiply that number by itself, um, the closer you get to exactly the perfect whole number one. And so in algebra, this equation is written as um, any, uh, it's like, it's like, um, Basically, when you multiply, if you if you multiply, um, uh, it was like x to the power of zero. The closer that you, um, the it, to the power of zero, any number multiplied by zero um, leads to uh, it, it, it approaches one. But it, it never, if you draw it out on a graph, it never actually reaches one. But the farther out you you go multiplying 0 0.0001 out to itself, the closer it gets to one. And so I was like really struck by this and I thought about it and, and because algebra is a language of, you know, in the ancient, in our ancestors, you know, of, of Western civilization, the greatest philosophers in, in history have been also some of the greatest mathematicians. And some of the philosophers, mathematicians say, like Albert Einstein, he said, science without religion is dumb, and religion without science is blind. And so they have this great respect for saying, okay, there's this language of metaphors that these symbols represent in mathematics, and we can use it to try to understand the mystery of the manifest creation around us. And, uh, okay, so, so I was contemplating, well, if... Algebra is symbols, and, 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 and everything in our universe can be represented mathematically. Um, you know, everything in the manifest world and, and how it moves and operates. Uh, not the spiritual world, but the manifest world. Uh, the, and if it's all symbols, then, and, 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 and all the symbols represent something in my dream. And I thought, what does zero represent? And how is it that you can multiply zero by zero and come up with something? And I really thought about it, I thought about it, I thought about it, and I thought, okay. In, in the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, there was like, an, like, a, like darkness. And, and then God spoke a word and then created the world. And in Hindu mythology, in the Vedanta, they say the universe was created from a mother's womb 
like, and it's this great universal mother. She has this womb and, ev and everything came out of it. And so I said, what is emptiness? What is darkness? What, what is the womb? And I said, that's zero. I just thought that represents zero. It's nothing. And, and so then I put myself in the beginning of time and I thought, if I'm zero at the beginning of a time, just zero, how do I, if I add myself to myself, I still get zero, but how do I multiply myself by myself and end up with one? And I just kind of took that to a meditative place. And I thought the only thing ultimately that I came to is the only thing I can do is look at myself because this is something in meditation. First, you observe your thoughts and then you get better and better at staying centered on your awareness or I mean your breath. But then at a certain stage, you step back from observing directly and somehow your brain turns in on itself and you observe the observer. And that's, and that's like the highest state. That's like in yoga considered a very high stage of meditation, which is not just awareness, but awareness of awareness. So the observer observing the observer. And, um, and that's similar, I think, in The Course of Miracles to this, the Christ in us observing the Christ in another person. Just, just the awareness without the identity. Well, I thought that must be what Zero did. It imagined another perspective and then looked back on itself from another perspective. But the key word is imagine. And, and so what I've come to conclude is that zero represents heaven, represents reality, it represents truth, it represents totality. And then the second zero, which, which it had to imagine, represents our ego. And, and, and when the ego, the th which is the thought of separation, looked back on the uh, original uh, substance, which is this wholeness, then the more that it looked back and forth on each other, it started to separate itself and try to and create and eventually lead towards creating the 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 um, the um, metaphorical um, the symbolic number one, and that's but the thing is that one only was reality multiplied by an illusion of reality to create an appearance of of one of a substance of something. And then that appearance multiplied itself out and created the whole universe as a dream. So what I think is, is that one, one, the number one is the beginning of illusion. And then you just multiply that by 10 and you get the powers of 10 and the powers of 100. And then from that, you can make any number and shape and size and time. And then I think it just slowly grew to this whole universe and um so that's the and, and the, go, you, go ahead nathan and then but i, hey, man, I have a 10 15 so i have to go away okay i do too and the profound teaching is the trinity you're talking about zero, one, bye bye zero, one and two 
one being the formless and, uh, and the oneness, and the duality is the one that we're in here. Now you're talking about the observer and the witness of that. The zero encompasses all of that. But it's, one, it's oneness and duality, and the zero is what encompasses, embraces it, and it's watching it all. So it's the watcher, and then there's another watcher. Does that make sense to you, uh, Ben? Yeah, yeah. But that's a and simple that's, approach because it's a trinity. They're all one, you know, but yeah. that's it. That's what we're embracing right now. It's a binary code that nice. we're dealing with here, you know, but the zero encompasses, it's the basket that holds it all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay now that is, now this should be fast. That was my kind of preface for this paper. And, and But then this, this paper, um, this would take, this will just take a second. Um, I'm opening it up right now. Should be opening. Just a second. Be still. I can still. Oh, hold on a second. My computer just lost it. Oh, here it is. Okay, got it. Um, okay. So that's the backdrop for this paper. Now, this morning I woke up. I was meditating when I woke up, and then this came to me. And I thought it was awesome this morning. Hopefully it will still sound really cool. So this has to do with what is, how, what is Jesus in relationship to zero? And I had a profound, what I feel is a profound recognition that as a culture, think of how amazing this is. As a culture, we reference the year that Jesus was born as the year zero. And, and every time, and, and it's like time before that, in a sense, is like erased. And time after that, it's like time begins, in a sense, after zero. I mean, just if you think about it, it's kind of numerically. Um, but that's what this, that was, that was the kind of the thought that triggered this paper. Okay, so I'll just read it. It says here, 2017 years ago, our Lord, our elder brother, our friend, our savior, the prince of peace, and the leader of the atonement, Jesus Christ was born. Zero is an interesting number, isn't it? Perfectly balanced with infinite numbers before it and after it. But it is, it itself is still, zero is still. It is quiet, but it is full of everything. Jesus Christ was born on the, on the year we now call zero. How very interesting that is. Jesus represents the Christ, because, you know, before zero, it's B.C., after it's A.D. And um, so Jesus represents the Christ to all of us in the world, and he represents union with God. But when can union with God happen? When do we enter heaven? When and where is peace found? If you ask a sage or enlightened master or any uh, Christian or Buddhist or Baha'i person otherwise, I'm confident that a true son of eternity who knows his true identity will answer with one way the same way every time. And that the time and place to access heaven and God and our true self is always and has always been right now. 
How absolutely amazing that Jesus, who represents our reunion with God, was born on that year as the whole earth we have decided to name zero. Um, zero has, as you can see from yesterday's revelation on zero, holds all time and is originally heaven and eternity itself. Zero is the perfect balance without opposite. Zero is the present moment. Zero is the instant of time, which is timeless. Zero is the gate and the door and the path. Measurement approaches zero, but it cannot be truly touched except by an observer perfectly still, perfectly present, and in absolute perfect stillness and presence. That was a reference to the thought that you can't actually measure with technology a, a perfect instant because it's too short a time. You can only get closer and closer to a single instant. But I believe our true self, through meditation and prayer, can observe an instant. And that instant is, is getting that present is literally the doorway to eternity. Time comes to a dead stop, a complete halt, and a total pause at that moment. Um, the entire universe of space and time has occurred in an instant as short as this. The, of course, Miracle says the universe, this whole dream only occurred in a single instant in heaven. And through an instant as short as this, we will return back to eternity. How amazing it is that Jesus Christ was born on a day which we now call zero. And all time before him and all time after him has a name and number. But he himself, as the birth of zero into this world, actually represents the birth of timelessness into this world. When he was born, all time in our collective past was literally erased. It was, and that's kind of a reference to the thought of Jesus really taught that he fulfilled the Old Testament. He fulfilled the old law. But what was the old law was about sin. And what is the New Testament was about we are, the sin has wiped clean. And so it's, it's, it's very cool to me to reflect that. Not only does it says, say that with language in the Bible, but it also says that with numbers in the way that we keep track of time. Because, because before him, there's nothing before him. Because we measure him as the year zero, and then everything after him as like a new beginning. So it's kind of metaphorical in that way as well. The birth of Jesus represents the birth of present moment awareness, a stage in humanity's psyche when we're capable as a whole of, of looking into the now and going through that now into eternity. I'm like two-thirds of the way through this paper now. Jesus Christ was born on what we now would refer to as the year and time zero. After 365 days, he would be living in the first year of life. You see, whatever happened before him, he has undone. And every moment he walked the earth, he resonated timelessness from the depth of his prayerful mind and heart. And the miracles expressed thereby truly are expressions of eternity. Now as the bringer of timelessness at the moment of his birth, represented by zero, and as the bringer of forgiveness at the moment of his birth, mathematically represented by all time before him, literally being less than zero, he is the expression of wiping the slate clean, clearing our past, the forgiveness of sin. He has touched us with the very finger of God. As that presence, and yet as an everywhere present eternal presence, wherever he is, 
whenever he is, or rather, whenever we call upon him or bring him to our mind, um, in that, in these moments and in these places, he is he is there. And where he is, there is no time. For his birth was the end of time. For he became zero, a clean slate, a fresh start. Um, so then, the, I'll just summarize the rest of that paragraph. I was thinking as an extension of, of this revelation that whenever we remember Jesus, wherever we are, when we bring his presence into our mind, yeah, like I'm saying, it cleans away time and space. And, and it says in the Course of Miracles, in time we've all sinned, but time is an illusion. In eternity, through the present moment, we're perfectly innocent. Because this universe has never occurred in heaven. It's only occurred outside of heaven in this illusion of time that we're experiencing through the ego. And so that is my paper. Thank you for listening. Well, uh, the, everything we learned is backwards. That's a good process that you're going through, Ben. We learned everything backwards, zero we think is nothing. Zero is the greatest number because you put zero behind one, you have 10, you know, yeah. behind two, you got 20. And so it's the backward re-engineering the process. And I like your, your, your idea there about observing the observer and observing until your awareness, who is being aware. And that that's an excellent process to get to truth. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's that's something that really the course doesn't talk about a lot, but um, but it's a direct approach to truth. So um, thanks, man. Do, yeah. do you want to yeah. see if I if I post the link to that video I watched about zero? Zero. Sure. Yeah, I, I can post it in the chat bar here. <clears throat> but uh, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that you talked about. You know, that time of Jesus when it kind of went to zero, well, I guess I'll, I'll kind of look at it as um, the the birth time of Jesus, that is when the whole concept or idea of, of separation and, and time and sinfulness ended, and the opportunity began to see things differently and to understand that there was no such thing as sin, there was no such thing as separation. Uh, so that yeah. that kind of birthed the time to start changing our mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The consciousness shift. Yeah. yeah. All right. And I, I like your. I like your. I like like Nathan was saying. That, that's a good exercise to go through, and it's a yeah. good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty neat. That's yeah, pretty, you put a lot into that. Thank you. Yeah. It, it sorry, is, sorry. Let me close that audio. Yeah, we're we're dealing with binary code, everything here in duality land. Uh, right. Yeah. Here's that link in the chat bar. Oh, can you can you, can you just send that. the link? Can you just send the link to uh, to each of us? Have you got all of our emails? Well, does it? Do you see it in the chat bar there? No. Did you guys have a chat bar? I did at one. I, I saw it at one point, but I oh, click on the chat button at oh, the yeah. bottom. Of the oh yeah, yeah. YouTube you watch. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you just if you just hover over that and highlight it, and then copy and paste it to a note or a piece of or like yeah. a a word document, then 
or, or just click on that link. Um, that should open it up. What was thing we began with? Okay. Under indices, powers, yeah, exponents. What's the definition yeah, yeah. of an index? Yeah, if I wrote, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, can do that. That that video has blew my mind. I, it's just, yeah. I'm glad you guys. I'm, I'm really thankful that you gentlemen stayed on. And let me read that because it's so nerdy, but it's just so freaking cool. <laughs> okay, I can't see you guys anymore. I got off the page. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. I can. I can. I can. I can see you and hear you. I can't see anything. Oh really? Oh really? Well, it's 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 down at the bottom of your. Bottom of your screen, probably oh, or the top. Yeah, there you are. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just copy that, and you can. Yeah. Like, I've got a note that yeah, on my screen. I put it over in my notes. Yeah, get a chance to look right. at that. Yeah. Right. Appreciate it, mighty companions. All right. Until oh, yeah, the next time. <laughs> See you, Nathan. All right. Yeah. All right. See you, Jack. I'm gonna head out too. So see you later, Jack. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.